The reading is taken from Acts 16, beginning at verse 11. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis. From there, we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. 
Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had become to come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison. And now... Do they want to get rid of us quietly? No, let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, They went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Janet. Morning, everybody. Lovely to see you. Um, Great to be here in church this morning with um, that amazing passage for us to think about. I'd love to say keep it open in front of you um, just for a few minutes while we do that. Um, As Tom said, there are various things which are not quite the same, aren't there, in church at the moment. And one of them is that our pew Bibles are not currently out. It's one of those things where we're still being told it's it's not ideal to be sharing things and passing them around. So um, you might not have one with you this morning, um, but I'm going to encourage you over the next few weeks, if you can, just to bring a Bible with you to church. We will have them out again um, once we're able to do so. Or maybe you've got one on your phone, on an app or something you can look at, and then you're able to do that. But um, whether or not you've actually got the words there, let's just have a think about those amazing stories today. And let's just pray as we begin to do so. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you that you're a God who speaks to us. And please help us to hear your voice as we think about what you have said with the help of the Holy Spirit. In your name, amen. Have you ever experienced a miracle? Um, If you imagine a miracle, what would it look like? Um, I'm reading a book at the moment called The Miracle of Castel di Sangro. I don't know if anyone's ever read that book. I'm guessing probably not. It's a true story. Sounds like it ought to be about you know, the, the appearance of Mary in medieval Italy or something, doesn't it? But it's not. It's about a football team, an Italian football team from a tiny village um, in the Apennines, which in the mid-90s somehow experienced a miracle and managed to get themselves promoted to the second division of the Italian National League. Is that a miracle? I don't know. If you Google uh, the miracle of, you get all kinds of things. Um, You get a film called The Miracle of Burn, a book called The Miracle of Mindfulness, a football match known as as The Miracle of Istanbul, which will be more enjoyed by some than others, and a pop song called The Miracle of Love. The actual definition of a miracle um, in one dictionary is this, an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. That's a mouthful, isn't it? But in other words... It's what happens when God breaks into his world and does something amazing. 
And one of the things that we can see in Acts 16 today is that miracles can be dramatic or they can be very quiet. But their impact is great when God acts, whichever of those two they are like. Uh, so we're continuing in the book of Acts. Um, we've been doing that in our online services over the last few weeks. Um, and it's a book, if you remember, which is all about how the good news of Jesus began to spread across the Roman world um, in the first century after Jesus had died, uh, especially spread to the north and west, towards Europe, from Jerusalem, as Jesus promised in Acts chapter 1. He said to his, to his friends, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And Acts is the story of how that started to happen. And we've seen it over the last few chapters. And uh, last week we saw how Paul and Silas were guided by the Holy Spirit to head west into Macedonia. In fact, they were prevented from going back east into an area which in those days was called Asia Minor. And so uh, you might have noticed, as, uh, as Janet was reading to us at this point in the story, as they head in that direction, Luke, who wrote the book, starts saying we instead of they. So I guess this is a part of the story where Luke is actually with them as they travel, and he gives us this first-hand account of what happened when they arrived in this city in Macedonia in what is now part of Greece called Philippi. And it's the story of two miracles, two people coming to faith, two very different people, uh, a businesswoman called Lydia and uh, a, a prison officer whose name we don't actually know. So let's think about Lydia, first of all. Uh, she is from Thyatira. That's interesting, isn't it? Well, actually, it is quite interesting because Thyatira is in the bit of Asia Minor that in last week's passage we were told Paul was stopped from the Holy Spirit from going and preaching there. Instead, he's been guided to go in completely the opposite direction. And what do you know? He gets to Philippi and there's someone from the place he planned to go to actually there in the first place. It's almost as if the Holy Spirit knew what he was doing, isn't it? Imagine. Um, she's a businesswoman. Um, I guess she's a fashion designer or something, isn't she? Or, or, or she's dealing in purple cloth. Um, today her name would be Armani or something like that, wouldn't it? She's an important lady, not insignificant. And we're told she's a worshipper of God. Don't know exactly what that means, but uh, maybe she's become a follower of the Jewish religion, perhaps through the synagogue in her hometown. And so Paul and Silas and his companions, they head down to the river. They're looking for a place of prayer. And they find themselves engaging with, with the women who have gathered there. And one of them is Lydia. And as she listens to what they have to say, we're told in verse 14, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And I want to say to us, that's the first miracle in our passage this morning. There are no lights in the sky. It's not very dramatic, is it, that one? Now, there's no lightning. We've experienced some of that in the last couple of weeks. But this is God intervening in Lydia's life, and she will never be the same again. It is a miracle, and that is what it takes for someone to become a Christian. Um, in the Bible, it's always like that. If you are a Christian this morning, a miracle has occurred. It might have been a dramatic moment. Uh, some of us might have um, some quite remarkable stories to tell about that. For some of us, you might be thinking it was quite ordinary when I became a Christian. But even so, God has done a miracle. He has opened our hearts to receive 
that message. I don't know if, if you ever use those, um, those little disc batteries um, that, that have to go in, in certain things. Torches and things sometimes have them, don't they? Have you ever tried to open a pack of those batteries? They are designed to make it almost impossible to get into. I don't know if you've noticed. You know, there is absolutely no way those batteries will ever fall out. There's a good reason for it. It's to stop children getting into them and putting the batteries in their mouths and swallowing them, of course. But you know, whenever I do it, you know, I get a pair of scissors and open them up and try and sort of spike a hole in the plastic. And eventually, with a lot of grunting and complaining, my wife is laughing at the moment, I can get the battery out of the pack. Um, that is what God does to our hearts uh, by a miracle when he draws us to faith. Uh, he's breaking in somewhere that we can't break into ourselves. He knows what we like. He knows our tendency is, is not to hear what he's saying to us. It's to run away from him, to be uh, too worried about other things, other priorities. But by his grace, he does a miracle and he opens our hearts. That's what we see him doing for this lady Lydia in Philippi here in verse 14. Only God can do that. But the tool he uses to open Lydia's heart is the words of the gospel, the good news that Paul and his friends are speaking about. Again, that's what he does. Verse 14 describes Lydia as one of those listening. And as she listens, what she hears is about Jesus and what she's done. And as she hears those things, the Lord uses it to open her heart. Um, and there's a great reminder for us as a church there that God has given us a task to do, to be faithful in speaking the words about Jesus, telling people about him, sharing the good news that he is an amazing God who loves us, who just wants to forgive us and welcome us. And as we are faithful in, in talking about him, um, showing people what he is like, the Lord opens people's hearts. Um, whether that's with young people at Hungerton, whether it's in plans which we've got to, to plant in Thermiston, whether it's in some of the other ministries which we get involved in, whether it's just in our day-to-day -day lives as we chat to our friends. So that is Lydia, a miracle of God in her life. And then secondly, we've got this story of the man who's in charge of the jail in Philippi from verse 16 onwards. And it all starts with Paul and Silas getting thrown into prison, doesn't it? Which doesn't look very promising from a mission point of view. Um, there's a reminder here that Christian ministry, that um, speaking about Jesus, I don't just mean sort of being a vicar, but just being, being faithful Christians sometimes provokes opposition. Sometimes people don't want to hear that, and sometimes they can get quite uppity about it. And so as Paul, as the others, are speaking publicly here in Philippi, this time there's this slave girl who's sort of shouting over them and distracting the people. And we're told that she had a spirit by which she could predict the future. Uh, literally, it says she had a spirit of python. Um, and it may be that py uh, python was, was uh, apparently the symbol of the, the Roman or maybe Greek god Apollo. I'm not very good on my classics. I don't know if anyone here knows if Apollo was Roman or Greek. We were trying to work it out at 8.45. Steve is nodding his head and saying Greek. I think Greek. You look like you know what you're talking about there, Steve. Um, and so maybe uh, as she was sort of saying, these men um, are, are speaking of the, the Most High God, servants of the Most High God, she's basically saying, you know, there's nothing new here. You know, they're just like us. They're, they're people who worship God. And so it's no wonder maybe that Paul eventually just got annoyed with this. Maybe it was just that she was standing behind him kind of yelling as, as he was talking. Um, but he cast the spirit out and she stops. But of course now there's another problem because she's a slave. She's been making nice money for her owners by being able to tell the future and suddenly their source of income has gone. And so before you know it, 
They've ganged up on Paul and Silas. They've arrested them. They're up before the court, and they've brought some false charges against them. Obviously not true. You know, they weren't causing chaos. They weren't doing anything illegal, like is claimed. But they are beaten severely with rods. Pretty nasty, isn't it? And then they have their feet fastened in stocks, and they're thrown in jail. And just by the way, we haven't got time to think about this bit in great detail this morning, but even though it's completely unfair, I think it's worth noticing what Paul and Silas do when put in this unfair situation because they've been speaking about Jesus. What do they do? First of all, they continue to praise the Lord and worship him. Did you spot that? They've just been beaten, they're locked up in prison, and the next thing they do is worship God. That's pretty striking. Secondly, they carry on talking about Jesus. That's the first thing they do with the jailer after they've been set free. And thirdly, when the opportunity comes a bit later on, they do make it clear in public that they've been treated wrongly and that this shouldn't have happened. Uh, And Paul does take the opportunity to do that right at the end of our passage to make the point that actually the the good news of Jesus is not harmful. It's not going to do any harm to people. In fact, quite the opposite. But what they don't do is panic or give up because it's all gone wrong. Um, They know that even though it's hard, the Lord can still be at work. And then what happens is another miracle. And this time it is a dramatic miracle, isn't it? Which again results in someone coming to faith for the first time. And this time it's an earthquake. It's not just a quiet work that we can't see in someone's heart. God sends an earthquake. And uh, the chains are rattled and the prisoners are set free. There there they are. Try to imagine the scene. They're praising God in the cells at midnight. And suddenly, boom. That must have been amazing, mustn't it? What would you do at that point? I think I'd be tempted to leg it, wouldn't you? Chains have fallen off. Let's get out of here. But not Paul and Silas. There's a gospel opportunity to be had. And he just assumes that, well, I've been put in this place by God, so let's make the most of it. Let's make the most of his chance. And the jailer is in pieces. He's thinking, what's going to happen to me now? Um, And Paul quickly shouts out, don't worry, we're all still here, before he can do any harm to himself. And they get some lights. The jailer's trembling. But in the midst of his panic and his fear, he does ask the right question, doesn't he? He says to Paul, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Because he's heard them singing about being saved by Jesus. And so he says, what do I need to do? He realizes at least that he needs some help. And just like Lydia, we've got the same two things going on here. There's this miracle of God. This one looks more dramatic, but both of them are God at work in someone's life. And secondly, we've got Paul telling the man about Jesus. And in this case, he gives the short version and the long version. The short version is just one sentence. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. That's the good news. That's the gospel in a a line, isn't it? It's all you have to do. Believe in him. Have you done that already? I imagine lots of us have this morning. But that's Jesus' invitation to you. And then in verse 32, Paul gives the fuller explanation. He says, um, it says, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and all the others in his house. And I bet that was a great home group Bible study to be at, don't you? And the jailer washes their wounds, and he and his household are baptized. Just like Lydia and her household. It's the same outcome, isn't it? Different story. God at work. They believe, and they're baptized. Baptism is the the sign of someone becoming a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And here in Philippi, there is church planting taking place. 
and it's about trusting that God will work and praying for that. It's about speaking faithfully and it's about welcoming people and baptizing them when they come to faith. There are some good lessons for us there, aren't there, as we think about church planting. And the church, it seems to start meeting in Lydia's house in verse 40, the first church in mainland Europe. And the lessons for us are, are both for us as individuals and for us as a church, I think. As individuals, just that question, you know, what about you? Have you believed in the Lord Jesus and found his salvation? Have you been baptized? That's what Jesus invites you to do. And collectively, a reminder that we're called both to speak about Jesus and to pray for God to be at work. And he is the God who works miracles, big and small. Well, actually, the, the small miracle wasn't any smaller than the big miracle, was it? They both changed people's lives. And as we see the church plant in Philippi, these are reminders for us as we engage uh, in our own ministries here in Thurnby and further afield as well. We need God to be directing the work and we need to be about prayer and worship and trusting him and being faithful in what we say. So let's pray together as we close. Thank you, Father God, that uh, you promised that you would build your church through your son, Jesus Christ, and we just see here this morning these examples of that happening. Thank you for your work in the life of that jailer, your work in the life of Lydia and her household, and the way in which you brought the gospel to Europe for the first time. Thank you that you've brought it here to Thurnby. And so we pray that you'd once again amaze us as we realize that all we have to do is believe. And we pray that you'd help us to be faithful in speaking the words of Jesus as Silas and Paul did. For we ask it in his name. Amen.